0: Algar Productions. Algar Productions. Algar Productions. Algar Productions. 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 You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. (music) Episode 275 covering Concerning Flight and Mortal Coil with Ben Weary. Hi friends, we're back with our friend Ben, who makes a comic about poop. Hello, ben. hello. Hey guys, welcome back. I just like <laughs> Ben is not enough. Like I gotta, I gotta specify. It's it's Ben who makes the comic about the poop. Then yeah, now you like, know which guy I'm talking about. It's like why should right. I give a shit about this guy? <laughs> you you got all those loaded up, don't you? Like just <laughs> oh shit, yeah, you're right. <laughs> See, you don't even know you're doing it. I know it's an instinct,
1: stink, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah.
0: Uh-huh. Delightful. <laughs> Speaking of shit, we had a Neelix episode this time, which we'll get to. Well, in, yes. in the second half, and uh, we we didn't hate it. Any no, of us. it was
2: like, weird and yeah. upsetting, and just what what's hap- Why do I fe- have? Why do I care about what happens to this bar rodent? Yeah.
0: I, For- I was pleasantly surprised.
1: Yeah, as an episode that was supposed to suck, it yeah. sucked at sucking. Mm. Yeah, that's
0: true. It did suck at sucking. It. <laughs> so it's still disappointing, but...
2: Well, ruled it not sucking, good, so, like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs>
0: that's a that's a good way to look at it, yeah. in, in that it's a terrible way to look at it. Like, you, what's the opposite of a silver lining? You found that. <laughs> <laughs> Just the cloud. Yeah. <laughs> cloud. You found the cloud. <laughs> cloud. Uh, but, but the first one... Um, well, it certainly was something. Would you all agree that this is a very Voyager episode? It was fine. Moment? It was, for a Voyager episode it was fine. No, no, I'm not. I'm not saying bad or good. We'll get to that. What I'm saying is in concept.
2: Oh, the concept was about as Voyager as you get.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And and inc- Voyager has, I think, the most episodes where, like, if you were doing sort of a Saturday Night Live parody of Star Trek, it mm-hmm. would look like some of these episodes. Oh yeah, so absolutely. She's hanging around with yeah, Leonardo like- da Vinci, and then they're on some weird planet where everyone has different size bumps on their face. Yep. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. The
0: alien mob shows up. <laughs> well, why don't, you, why don't you tell us, Ben, what, what happens in Concerning Flight?
1: Yes. So it starts out, Janeway is spending her free time in the holodeck, wasting precious energy, just hanging out with Leonardo da Vinci. She's uh, uh, trying to avoid being pretend murdered by the mob, I guess, <laughs> in Italy. Uh, meanwhile, the real ship is attacked. And precious items like the computer processor and the mobile emitter, they disappear. So they they track the thieves to a nearby planet and split up. They send one group to each of the two continents, which seems like the most efficient way to track down where (laughs) their goods are. Uh, So they quickly find all their stolen stuff. They know exactly where it is pretty easily in the middle of the huge continent. Um, They also find, surprise, surprise, Leonardo da Vinci, who is long dead uh And was a hologram last we saw him, so he apparently gets loaded into the mobile emitter and is just walking around doing inventor stuff so uh meanwhile, back on the ship, seven of nine talks to some crew members is not very tactful uh they would prefer her to be more sociable uh that's that's the check in with her Then we go back uh <laughs> the away team walks around they talk to some people they talk to da vinci they uh they use some clever acting tricks to pretend to be people who want to buy large ship computers. And through that Janeway very quickly discovers where the computer is. So for such a challenging problem, they very (laughs) easily, uh, solve many of the steps here. Um, the problem here is she doesn't exactly know where the computer is. She knows it's on the continent, but not where. So, um, the, uh, They're Starfleet officers, so they're smart. They figure it out. (laughs) I don't really remember how they figure it out, but they do a couple things. (laughs) Something with Google Earth, I think. They they looked at different maps, um, or Google whatever this planet was called. Um, So they know where the stuff is. That's great. Uh, Meanwhile, Seven of Nine talks to the doctor. Uh, She was a bit rude to Torres, who was then way ruder back to her. She should be able to control herself. Uh, This is apparently all Seven of Nine's fault, though, and she's the only one who has to try and be less rude. Uh, the doctor also seems to be very hilariously frustrated with being stuck in sickbay. His mobile emitter is gone. So he is stuck there. Don't get too excited if you're going to watch this episode because nothing really happens with this. He <laughs> is frustrated for a scene and then that's it. We don't even see him reunited with the mobile emitter. Like a <laughs> little like like Gollum, like my precious scene or anything like that. So um, Then back Back on the on the planet, they're ready to seal back all their stuff. They find out where it is. Uh, unfortunately, there's a dampening field around the building. So Janeway and Da Vinci, using the power of the sun, sneak into the building, overload the dampening field quite easily, uh, and then they get their stuff back. Um, let's see. Uh, there's a very quick shootout where Da Vinci maybe almost discovers that he's not a person. Uh, They tease the viewers about possibly delving into some interesting topics on existence and artificial intelligence, uh, the drive to discover, but they cut all that short so they can go hang gliding. Um, I I have a feeling one of the writers must have won a bet that he could write an episode of Voyager that featured both Leonardo da Vinci and hang gliding, and he, he won. Um, the episode ends on a touching moment between Da Vinci and Janeway, hinting that Da Vinci may have actually gone through some sort of character arc, unlike anybody else. (laughs) Because that's what we
0: really want, is our pretend characters. uh...
2: Yeah, and not even even the pretend character that we give a shit about. The other pretend, the pretend character that the the captain visits.
1: Yeah. That we never see again, too. It's like the classic, like, oh, character in a wheelchair, I learned a lesson. And we're going to be friends now, and then you never see them again. But the wheelchair person <laughs> never goes through an arc. It's always the main
2: character. Oh, you're talking about every episode of Saved by the Bell.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> da Vinci is a homeless person, and I learned about homeless people. <laughs> I, there's a couple of scenes where I could actually kind of buy him being a homeless person. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and several scenes where he looks like Santa.
2: <laughs> I That just made us really want to see an episode of Star Trek where they <laughs> meet Santa.
0: <laughs> he has a, he had a, he had a dark red velvet outfit with a black belt and yep. and this is when Amanda usually watches the episodes with me but she was busy that day and she walked in in the middle and was like is Janeway hanging out with Santa?
1: <laughs> well, and they're, the also, prong- they're also hanging out in the workshop joke, but like Yeah yeah the problem with Santa, toys. Santa would be too much of a Deus Ex Santa, because, it, you know, like, our ship's power core is gone. And be like, well, let's see what I have in my bag. <sighs> oh, yeah, that's true. Santa have was you, the yeah. best
2: addition to the crew we could possibly have. <laughs> oh, Jadeway, well, you've that's been why very good prefer, this year. What
0: that's is why this? I much a, prefer animated series Santa, where they depowered him significantly. Like, oh, yeah. It just makes him a much more interesting character, I right
1: think. <laughs> yeah, the, the post-crisis Santa is a lot more...
0: Uh, understandable right. and realistic. Yeah. yeah, he can't just like pull whatever out of his bag or just like go down the. <laughs> or the breathe in space or, or. Yeah, any of that stuff. <laughs> um. So I, I just want to get into my good thing real quick because it's kind of easy. We'll get this sure. out of the way and, and get into the sort of the meat of the episode. But visually, I would say this is above average episode. <clears throat> it's it's a planet full of assorted aliens. And, like, it, honestly, a lot of times when they try to do that Mos Eisley Cantina thing, it's kind of like a eh, good try, guys. Mm-hmm. But they had the good makeup guy on on uh, on the, the, the case this time. And uh, a lot of vari- variation on the aliens, a lot of uh, good design and the sets, like they actually left Planet Hell and went to some kind of larger sets that were better lit and, and look like real things. Yeah. I mean they still look like real earth locations, like they look like a water treatment plant or something like that. But it looks like like a real place and not just like a a ten square foot <coughs> set that they have to put some paper mache in. Like it was it yeah. was
2: good. there's something I really enjoy about getting to see the cast run around in like real places for some I don't know what it is. If it's well, Yeah, just... and then the, the
0: last act. The last act, they're actually outdoors. Yeah. So, I don't know what it
2: yeah. is. It just, it feels like, oh, it's field trip day for Voyager. <laughs>
1: yeah. I, I always imagine like hikers stumbling upon the Voyager.
0: Oh, yeah. Shooting. Yeah. Well, and an and episode like this too would be especially ridiculous because you got Kate Mulgrew in her not Janeway outfit. No. And then you got John Rhys-Davies and all this like, you know, uh, uh, crepe hair and, like, his Santa outfit, and then a glider. Like, what is happening <laughs> I here? Just, I
2: just want to see, like, fucking two, ha- two campers out, uh, out for a picnic, just like, did Mrs. Columbo and Santa Claus just steal a hang glider?
1: <laughs> yeah, two two campers are dropping acid in the Santa Monica Mountains, and then they're like... <laughs>
0: No, see, that's the moment in every cartoon where the wino looks down at his liquor and pours it out, because, like, hey, God, <laughs> this is doing something bad to me, bro. No
1: more of this, yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Or the <laughs> fucking hippie from uh, the, the 90s episode going, far out, man. Oh, yeah, Ed
0: Begley Jr. <laughs>
2: fucking Ed, shut up, Ed Begley Jr. <laughs>
0: But, like, just visually spe- like, not talking about the acting or the writing or anything like that. We'll get into all that. Mm-hmm. Just visually, like, not just one location. There's two or three locations and, like, uh, uh, the outdoor stuff. Like, it all looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, above average for sure. And and a little bit of variety for a change, which always, like, the thing that really frustrates me about this show over and over again is I keep seeing the same thing. And any time they show me something a little off, you know, a little different, makes me happy. Yeah. So that's pretty much it. Um Ben what was your good thing?
1: I, I liked uh <clears throat> I actually don't know how to pronounce John is it Rice Davies? John I think Davies. It's Reese Davies. Reese. All right. That's what yeah. I've always heard. <clears throat> I thought he was great. I thought he had a lot of life. A lot of the characters on this show are a little bland and You stiff. don't say. <laughs> and, uh, so I thought <laughs> what? it was refreshing. To see a character that was like excited by things and is like sort of ruffling people's feathers, and they could have done more oh, yeah. with that. But he—he yeah. he,
2: he was also my choice for a good thing. I fucking he like if you're gonna cast older Da Vinci, like he is a perfect choice for that. Just that like fucking solo running around. They're digging in the wrong place.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, no, he's got that great old guy who's still excited about stuff, and he's got a lot of energy. Like and I, he's definitely a good choice. And
2: I love the way he... I love the way he rubs off on, on Kate. Like, mm-hmm. she is very clearly a big fan of his. And there are parts in the episode where Tuvok's like, fucking get rid of the hologram. He's not yeah. helping at all. Like, we got work to do. And Kate's just like, yeah, I kept no! No, this is awesome! <laughs> I'm going on an adventure with this guy. Like, that's so cool! And I, I, love, the is- I love seeing... Anytime Kate gets excited about crap, I enjoy it.
0: I, it's it's something we like in all the series where we see the thing the captain is passionate about. Yeah, and she's passionate about certain brilliant historical figures. Mm. Like, okay, that's that's fine.
2: Well, as a as a science as, like as science guy, yeah, I can totally true. see her being interested yeah. in Da Vinci. I I
1: also yeah. thought that as as a holodeck program. It was a little more TNG than than what it became because i think like on this show there's a lot of uh the hollow novels mm-hmm. and that's sort of like more more modern popular culture on ds9 there were like baseball games and i guess pornography yes um but on tng like you know they were you know he would uh do do um uh uh sherlock holmes mm-hmm. and uh, like shakespeare um the the most kind of a modern he'd get is he had like the Raymond Chandler kind of thing. So yeah. this seemed like a sort of Picard kind of program.
0: Well, it's, it's I yeah, like. I can see that.
2: It's very much like instead of wanting to do like you know like a ho- like we've seen Janeway do Hollow novels before, and it was not like that. Never really sat right with me. But having her in her spare time want to just hang out with this like famous historical figure and like work with him and study with him is really cool to me.
0: So far, the hollow novel concept, like, I like the idea of it, but they haven't really done anything good with it yet. Like, at some point, I feel like in the future they may. But right now, it's more of a... Like, the best holodeck things have been open-ended. You're in this environment interacting with these people, but there's no specific story you're following. Mm -hmm. You're just kind of there in this world with these people.
1: We're kind of seeing hints of that, like, with a lot of the VR stuff coming out. Mm Because it's sort of a new medium to tell stories or to do games. And, yeah, like you know, if you want to have dinner with a famous historical figure or like, you know, like play poker with, you know, yeah. all the mm-hmm. history's geniuses, like that's something you could do. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a win, lose or, or a narrative. And I know that like right. with VR, there's like a game called Summer Lesson where you're literally just trying to teach someone to play guitar over mm-hmm. the summer. <laughs> like, I guess the game is you want to teach them to play guitar. But um, like that, I, I like whether they thought about it or not, like with a holodeck, you would have programs where it's just like hang out with uh, Leonardo da Vinci. Yeah, whatever. It's, it's
2: like that. Um, what is it? It's like a party game or something. It's like where if you could have a dinner party with like five famous people from throughout history. Who would they be Right. And you can, and do, you can that do it with a, with a holodeck.
1: Yeah, or you can have and sex figure. with anyone. Yeah. <laughs> which is
0: the DS9. That too. Oh, there's definite. Oh, there's definitely people on Voyager doing that as well. <laughs> y- yeah, there's definitely people having sex with historical figures, like <laughs> almost for like I know Paris was doing that before he started settling down with Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, what, which uh, which historical figures?
2: Oh, no one, just like some weird French chick. <laughs> just
0: like, I I just want seventeenth century French VD, yeah. that's all. I yeah, don't care. Basically.
1: <laughs> the safety protocols are off. No. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Mr. Paris, I don't
2: know how you caught VD from <laughs> V D from a hooker <laughs> from from the holodeck, but I'm very impressed.
1: When you stepped outside the holodeck, they should have all vaporized. <laughs> <clears throat>
0: Well, this is what happens with that next level, like, Moriarty-based, you know, like, when we make them more realistic. Oh, no.
2: <laughs> the 17th century syphilis is becoming sentient.
0: <laughs> they got mobile emitters. Oh, God. I mean, that's no stupider than a lot of the stuff Voyager's thrown at us. That is true. And the thing is, this is really kind of my bad thing, is, like, this is all stupid. And we've said this before. If you just more embrace the stupid, like, mm-hmm. this should have been more fun. Like, it yeah. had fun aspects to it but it felt like it should have been more camp. Yeah. Like, not full-on parody, but just more fun. Like, I had the same issue with the 37s when Janeway's running around with Amelia Earhart. It's like, this is a starship captain and Amelia Earhart having adventures. They should both have ray guns and be fighting dinosaurs or something, you know? Mm -hmm. Just, like, go nuts with it. And, like, either do that kind of crazy Doctor Who episode or make it like more serious like Ben pointed out some good ways you could really explore some good philosophical stuff and instead it's kind of in this middle range like uh, there's stakes but the stakes don't really matter because you could just turn off Da Vinci if he dies or whatever Yeah. and like so it's not goofy enough and it's not serious enough Mm -hmm. it's just it's kind of in that middle and and Voyager has this problem a lot like here's a goofy concept that we just wanted you to take seriously instead of just being goofy.
2: Well, we talked about this a bit last week, um, is that feeling of, like, uh, 90s Trek being very sort of pleased with itself, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. it almost feels like, like, oh, we're too good
0: to be, to take this concept, to make this concept silly. Well, then why do you have the silly concept in the first place? That's the thing. The whole idea is someone stole Leonardo da Vinci and... And uh, Janeway has to beam down and team up with him to to get everything back. Like that's yeah. that's so dumb. Like dumb in a good way. I, like, mean, that's I don't a, mean it it's dumb a, as in I don't want to watch this. Yeah, no,
2: it's a ridiculous concept. But they want to they want to be so like like they don't want to just enjoy the ridiculousness and just embrace it. You know, they want to like no, oh I, we're too good for that.
1: Well they no, play I, it pretty they play it pretty straight too. I mean, I don't yeah. know what Da Vinci was like, but like, you know, that's his character. He's a little boisterous and excited, mm-hmm. but then it's mm-hmm. yeah, it plays out you're hanging out with Da Vinci and we're solving this problem and that's kind of it. Like and you're meant to take it
0: seriously and as you pointed out, he's got an arc. Like he he, he actually does. learns things and grows and it's like this is a simulation of a person who's been long dead. Like how does his arc have any impact on anything ever? Like, right. It just it doesn't matter.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't overlap with anything anyone else was thinking about or dealing right. with or any of that stuff. So. I mean,
2: that being said, no. it's still. It, I still found it interesting, though. You know, like oh, it I still had glimmers of it. fun. Yeah, I no, enjoyed and, and, following that arc.
0: Yeah, and as you both pointed out, like John Reese Davies is great, and he and Mulgrew, I think, have some good chemistry. Oh yeah. And she's in this interesting area where I pointed out. Like, I feel like the captain having to take orders from someone else, I have real mixed feelings about that, because on the one hand, the captain should always be the one in charge, but on the other hand, she's just kind of buying into the fantasy, and like, no, I'm playing his apprentice, I need to keep playing his apprentice, and so it's,
2: it's, it's kind of interesting. That's a, the thing, we talked about this a little during the episode, like, I totally like, I wouldn't buy the, buy. Uh, the captain taking orders from just anyone. But the fact that it's Da Vinci who she is admittedly like a huge admirer of, like she is like, this is just an excuse to go like to go on an adventure that I don't think she considers terribly high stakes. Like, I like, I mean, I know they're getting (laughs) shot at and everything, but she's also a starship captain. This isn't like the hardest thing in the world to deal with. And I can totally see her just being all like, let's go fuck man today. I'm going to go on an adventure with Da Vinci. This sounds amazing.
1: But then on, on that note too, it was almost too easy so like, yeah. she has to team up with, with Da Vinci. Well, she loves Da Vinci mm-hmm. and they have to solve these problems. Well, he can solve problems for them. Yep. And then they never really, it, they go through the the steps to solve this thing. And then, and then it's done. Yeah. Like there's not yeah. a lot of struggle there. No, like, you're not, think, you're not wrong. Yeah. The scenes oh, with, with Tuvok, I think, I think it would have been better in some ways. I, I like the aspect that she's teaming up with a hero of hers, mm-hmm. but, but mm-hmm. if, if, um Da Vinci, who to some characters might be annoying, team him up with Tuvok who is very annoyed. Mm-hmm. Uh that might be a better contrast and more stuff to see.
2: Yeah, I can see that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely comedy there, and I think teasing out some of the comedy would be good. But also going in the serious direction, what if you actually killed him and he stayed dead? Like like then you have Kate having to deal with, now I can't even hang out with my pretend friend anymore. Like <laughs> that that could have been an interesting dramatic beat of like Yeah. Well, shit, this was my escape. And now they've even, like, now I don't even have that.
1: Well, that's pretty interesting because even, I guess, going forward, not to spoil, but like, I don't think we see this character again, but we do see the the lab, Mm -hmm. his lab. And that would sort of add a little, even if they don't address it, that would add some sort of emotion there where it's like they're going back to this place where she had all this fun and had this person
0: she admired, but they're not there anymore. Maybe there's this weird alternate history in in the holodeck where she, the apprentice, has now become like has taken over for him because he's dead. Yeah, or that something. Means. I don't know. I'm just. I'm. This is all the, off the top of my head. I haven't really mm-hmm. thought of this out. yet yeah. but, uh, but I. What they've been doing is like every season they have uh, one place <coughs> where they hang out, and for some arbitrary reason this season it's Da Vinci's uh, work. Yeah. Out, <laughs> okay. It, but. Uh, Matt, what was your bad
2: thing? Uh, What was my bad thing? What an excellent question. Oh, fucking the hang glider looks just (laughs) – they spend the entire – like the last part of the episode is them escaping to Da Vinci's – the hang glider Da Vinci's been building with the uh, space age technology. Um, I realize that it is very difficult to build a hang glider. Um, I also realized that it is very difficult to build a hang glider that not only that looks like it belongs on an alien planet uh, but this hang glider looks like it was very clearly rented from the hang glider store like <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> it was uh I was surprised to learn that the climax of this episode was the same climax as in Hudson Hawk. <laughs> Exactly uh, the same. Da Vinci's glider helps the heroes get away from the bad guys.
2: And like, not even, like, Hudson Hawk would have been, like, what, two years before this episode?
0: Yeah, maybe five at the most, but yeah. not, not, it was fairly recent.
2: Although, you know, from what I know of Hudson Hawk, I imagine not many people saw it.
0: Mm, I, I saw it enough for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it is a It is a gloriously stupid movie. I'm not going to stand by and say it is great. It is not great, but it is dumb fun, and I enjoy it. <laughs> um... Which is more what I wanted this episode to be. uh, (laughs) What did they need to go on the hang glider for, too?
1: I don't really remember.
2: I mean, they just needed to...
1: To get away? The the amount of time they spent, like, getting on the hang glider, getting strapped in. Driving the hang glider. They could have just kept running. Yeah. (laughs) It was just those two bumpy-head guys.
2: Well, as we mentioned when we were watching the episode, um, holographic Da Vinci can't run for very long before he gets out of holographic breath.
0: (laughs) Good, Good point. Yeah, they were out of breath, so... Well, they're not gonna—they're not gonna like change his character just for convenience. Sake. It's like
2: computer, make me comp- computer re- replicate Leonardo da Vinci perfectly, but make him a long-distance sprinter.
0: <laughs> I mean, in fairness, the da Vinci they're using was not created for this mission. He was created to stay in a couple of rooms mm. on the holodeck. So, like, if they'd known he was coming to the planet, they might have been able to alter him. Sure, there's, there's no time for that.
1: So he never did any jogging
0: around uh, Florence or anything like that, yeah. or. He may any have done in, in, in his youth, but I mean, how old is he supposed to? I mean, we're talking like medieval aging, so he's probably only 30. But, mm-hmm. you know, like, I guess if he's you're old for their time,
1: if you're in that simulation and you see Da Vinci run and he's not out of breath, that would completely break the immersion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like,
2: exactly. Yeah. should that old man be out of breath? <laughs> I'm just on the holodeck. None of <laughs> this makes any sense.
0: Worst hologram ever. <laughs> I'm giving this one star on Yelp. <laughs> Uh Ben, what was your bad thing uh i We kind
1: of talked about this just sort of general blandness, like you know it's this is a watchable episode if you're doing laundry or something it's fine it's not <laughs> it's not offensive, but yeah. it's a not very really thought provoking um and yeah, it kind of seemed a little unfocused. there's a lot of directions that could have gone in, and it seemed like a, a mishmash of some other ideas that they had sitting around
2: yeah it's kind of the very definition of a fine Voyager episode.
0: No, and like I say, it seems very Voyager. It seems yeah. like something with the holodeck is not working the way it's supposed to. Uh, Janeway teams up with a historical figure, and uh, some aliens stole our computer.
1: And Tuvok like is annoyed they, by something. Wow,
0: well, that that happens in pretty much every episode. <laughs>
1: well, it's or a also that like serious, yes, and I think this is true. Like the one of the writers is just really into Leonardo da Vinci, mm. and mm-hmm. so he wants to write an episode that incorporates some of this knowledge he has. Um so. Yeah, there you go.
2: That wouldn't surprise me.
0: No, like you said, it feels like that someone had a bet. Like I, I bet I could write an episode around this <laughs> this action sequence, and oh, you know, and you win.
1: So yeah, they I- had like a story dice that they roll, and then it's got <laughs> they got hang glider and Da Vinci.
2: I bet I can get us yeah. filming in a brewery this month.
0: I don't know where it was like I said it looked good yeah yeah it it was so earth like almost to the point where I like it looked like there were probably uh, warning signs in English up in the background and stuff like like, that you don't want to watch this episode in high def because all the like all the little details that make it clear this is a, a real location would like come out i think
2: no i mentioned this when we we're watching the episode too um it's very weird when you're they're doing like a slow pan of this of this uh water treatment plant or whatever and there's just dudes dressed as aliens holding <laughs> holding laser rifles just hanging around it's like what is happening yeah
1: same yeah. thing you get the hobo at the water treatment plant yep who, who wakes yep. up and he's like oh
0: rubbing his eyes yep <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'll never sleep with this water treatment plant again. <laughs> one one star <laughs> on Yelp. <laughs>
0: uh, I also like uh, Da Vinci. At one point, the thing is, he never completely becomes aware. Like he's he to the end, he's still approaching this from a, a perspective mm. of you know someone from his time in, yeah. in Florence. And so, like, I like that he refers to the computer as like a woman in a box. Yeah. <laughs> that just amuses. Like the the mental image of of a tiny Major Barrett inside a box just delights me.
2: <laughs> I actually would have been really interested if they, you know, if they had taken uh, Kate's relationship with Da Vinci and sort of flipped it around after this episode. Like now she starts going to his office to like talk to him about like what the fu- what the future's like and his take on it. You know, mm-hmm. it, it. You know, the, the, sort of what, sort of what he was working on with the mob guy too, where it's just like, well, what can, what can Leonardo da Vinci do with, you know, twenty fourth century technology? Like, what, what could he, what could come from that?
0: That, and that I, would. Actually- I would say I saw this in your notes, Ben. You were talking about like how (laughs) how far does the simulation go, kind of thing? Yeah,
1: well they they always dance around it, and I guess they have to because we don't have this technology, so we don't even know. But like, yeah, is it is it a reproduction of him based on his writings and you know it can predict what he would say in certain situations? Mm -hmm. Or or is it actually able to be creative? Like is the using the power of the sun is that based on a story of Da Vinci? you you know blinding people with the sun so mm-hmm. he could sneak past or did he actually come up with that cuz then like that's a big thing that's the big yeah.
0: challenge of ai now being creative and problem solving yeah. so well and, and that was the big deal with moriarty mm-hmm. was like geordi told the holodeck to create a character capable <clears throat> of outsmarting data and the idea was that he was self-aware and he was able to think outside of the pre-written arthur conan doyle stuff and think creatively and that that outsmarted data mm-hmm. like so I guess that's a thing they can do. But that was one time when it went horribly wrong and you'd think they'd make sure that didn't wouldn't happen again. Yeah. Probably. Yeah.
1: Well, I wonder, like, I, I think we'll see in this show that there is more about the, like, the hologram and the AI and, and all those issues mirroring a lot of the stuff from with data. And mm-hmm. I think... Um, If the the Star Trek had continued, and I wonder if the new series is going to touch on any of this, because this is a very sort of modern problem. As we get into AI, there's a lot of people that are sort of worried about creating artificial intelligence, even if it's not superhuman intelligence. If it's Mm -hmm. operating at the speed of a computer, you know, you could get a Da Vinci who can live a thousand lifetimes in a year. Mm What are mm-hmm. they going to come up with? And, you know, if they're in charge of anything, then that could be dangerous. If we're just going to use their information, then that could be awesome. And I would wonder, if Starfleet can do that, why aren't they? And that would oh, be yeah. a good episode premise, you know, or you have just an alien where they they get all their science from computers that have simulated scientists, and they just print out results or something. Like, who
0: knows? Well, and, and th- it also occurs to me that the Doctor is obviously capable of thinking beyond, like, uh, like, he doesn't just have a flow chart. Like, he's had to improvise and he's had to think, yeah. if not creatively, definitely more than just in a straight linear way. So, like, they definitely have the technology and they're using it. So, yeah, it, it, seeing applications of that would be really interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the doctor, maybe the doctor was sort of an accident. Like, this is like a breakthrough. They no, never not tested it. To be
0: left on that long. Absolutely.
1: Know that. And maybe they never tested it, you know, leave it on for a yeah. year. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, from what we know, of the guy who created the doctor, he was very lazy.
0: <laughs> uh, he looks like me. Uh, and, uh, good enough. <laughs> it's fine. It's done. Whatever. Yep. All right. It's about time to move on. You guys got any other final points before we do that? Uh, no. I don't. Ben, any? Anything? Mm, no, I'm good. All right. You got a quote for us? Oh, yeah. The quote
1: was from Paris, and he said this right after they were literally mugged.
0: I feel like we've just been mugged. Well, you, you can't really count on Tom Paris to be <laughs> subtle, or yeah. I don't think he understands metaphors. Yeah, he has no. Well, use maybe for he, that. or maybe he just like threw a, a 20th century phrase out there that like these people don't know what mugging is, so I'm going to say oh, that yeah. and sound like a cool like hipster guy. It's an ancient Earth practice. <laughs> uh huh. That's up, his Paris. whole thing. <laughs> All right, pressing forward now to Mortal Coil, which is the Neelix episode that we all thought was pretty all right. Mm -hmm. What? Here we go. So, cruising into a surprisingly decent-looking nebula, Voyager detects some proto matter, which I'm positive is that highly dangerous stuff that made the Genesis device so unstable that it ruined an entire planet. (laughs) But who are we kidding? None of the people responsible for Voyager have seen Wrath of Khan or Search for Spock. That must just be a coincidence. Into the Dangerous Nebula, Kate sends a shuttle full of her most highly specialized scientists. Tom Paris. Uh. Chakotay. Hmm. And Neelix. What? Then they're zapped with protomatter and Neelix is killed. Hooray, end of episode. <laughs> what? We're all into the teaser. Damn it, I knew this was too good to be true. You know who's also too good to be true? Seven of Nine. She proceeds to use up all the goodwill she's earned so far this season and volunteers some cool Borg tech to revive Neelix. Ah, well, she had a good run. Neelix then proceeds to spend the rest of the episode wandering the ship aimlessly, failing to grasp basic concepts and just kind of annoying everyone in general. I guess that doesn't really distinguish this from any other week. Okay, specifically, he's freaked out a bit that he was dead for 17 hours and didn't go to Talaxian heaven where the clouds are made of hair and... Something, something, 24 virgins. Look, Neelix spends a good deal of time in this episode hanging out with Ensign Wildman's young child, and I swore I wouldn't make any cheap pedophile jokes, so just imagine your own Talaxian heaven if you must. The point is, it doesn't exist. Bummed out by the lack of mystical mumbo-jumbo in his life, he asks Chakotay to cast a magic spell on him so his spirit form can go find some answers in the great beyond. Then he tries to kill himself, but naturally nothing comes of it. Because if Year of Hell taught us anything, it's that the show loves to dangle the promise of something much cooler in front of us before yanking it away and laughing cruelly in our faces. Yeah. No dead Neelix for us. No,
2: but it was a very good episode.
0: It was, and uh, Brian Fuller wrote it, so uh, he's two for two right now. Mm -hmm. Um, This definitely seemed like a
1: Fuller episode. Oh. All right, you will be back to you give any, any sound effects? You have that? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Hope you enjoyed Ben uh, on the show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> See you guys. See um uh, Matt, Matt's upset cuz that's usually his job. Yeah, exactly. Oh shit, I'm sorry. Uh, no, it was definitely like there's, there's definitely more complexity. So, fa- I mean, he's only done two so far, mm-hmm. like maybe upcoming episodes will be different, but there's definitely more complexity, more depth of character, but like is more introspective than, than a typical Voyager episode. And, uh, he, like shows. I, I liked it. He's sort of the, the Conan O'Brien of writers
1: on Voyager where Conan O'Brien was a writer on Simpsons for like a season and all, mm-hmm. and his episodes are good and you see a little touch of what could come from this person and then mm-hmm. they go on to other stuff. Same mm-hmm. thing with him. I, I haven't, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, yeah. So,
0: although I think Conan inspired those writers to step up their game. Whereas when Fuller leaves, I think everything goes back to normal. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Doesn't work. Oh,
2: thank God that competent guy's out of here. We can go back to doing shit. Yeah. Make, he's whereas- making us
0: all look like us. <laughs> Whereas on The Simpsons, you could see the the effort to make the show better. Mm-hmm. Like, like some of their best work came when Conan was there, and then right after. Like yeah. So yeah. Yeah, obviously we're like, shit, that guy was good. We better, we better, we better get back. I mean, where's Schwartzwalder? Schwartz- get him in here. Schwartz- Sorry, this this could yeah, this could be a whole episode of me praising John Schwartzwalder. So we better just move on. <laughs> All right.
1: Um, I will say uh, about this episode. On one level, it was interesting because. The the journey that Neelix goes on is also the journey of the viewers and us, because we went into this, you know, assuming, well, it's a Neelix episode, Neelix episodes are going to suck because Neelix is annoying. But then we are, we die and are reborn and discover (laughs) that that is not the case. And now we have to exist in this world where a Neelix episode could work.
0: That is deep. What does that mean? (laughs) So we're all going to kill ourselves ourselves now. I I guarantee they didn't think it out that much. (laughs) So, I really do like that. If the, yeah. the AV club had been around back then maybe. Oh yeah, oh of, yeah. yeah, yeah. Matt, what were so, you going to say?
2: The, the, we should get to the big sort of turn of the episode before we get into what like the rest of it. Like
0: Yeah, Oh, like my l- bad
2: thing. Looking at everyone's bad it, it seems like it's everyone's <laughs> bad thing.
0: Everyone's, yeah. Uh Ben, you go first.
1: Uh I I, I would I would put the uh the Spirit Quest Vision Walk thing uh as the bad thing. I I get why they probably did it. It's sort of the easy way to make a visually interesting thing happen to a character that, that leads to them turning and changing um, and, and discovering things where if it wasn't Star Trek or there wasn't mystical native Americans on your ship, it would have just been dialogue or events that happens to them. But um, it was sort of, like, uh, it was kind of typical, like, you know, you, you could almost predict it's going to happen and it's well, kind of disappointing.
2: As soon as Chicote says, uh, spirit vision quest, it's like, okay, I know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It always plays out. It, they go and they see some people and yeah. it's a weird filter on the camera and then they hear good things and then, oh, things take a dark turn yeah, exactly. and, uh, and then they're troubled by it. That's always every spirit walk I've been on. It always turns out the same way. How many spirit walks have you been on, Ben? <laughs> oh, man, so many. Oh, jeez, like. I like discovering things about
0: myself. <laughs> oh, not me. See, I know everything about myself already because I spend a lot of time with me, so I, don't, I feel like I don't need to go anywhere to learn more about me. I already know.
2: And I spend a lot of time with I'm me, good. too, but I fucking hate that guy.
0: Well, yeah, exactly. Do you want to learn more about yourself? More to hate? Exactly. No, it, that's you, my point. You guys sound just like the
1: pre-vision quest Ben. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you guys well, have to. I, I didn't mean to
0: offend your 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 clearly well-defined <laughs> sense of spirituality.
1: I, I'm very condescending about my my spirit quests. Basically, oh yeah, <laughs> obviously.
2: As well, you should be. Like, come on. Um, Look
1: at my, my non- take on all this. Quest losers.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> my my take on all this was yeah okay I really like the idea of the the like the overarching thing that he learns is um to to basically live with a a, a world where there's no spirituality and mm-hmm. like oh shit there there's no heaven so I better have a different reason to to live yeah. and we'll get into that more in a minute I think but the whole idea like it's a very sort of stark atheist like oh shit, now what do I do, kind of thing. I like a a good crisis of faith to shake up a character. But then they bring mysticism in and completely destroy the whole idea that there's no mysticism. Yeah. Like, it it fucks it up. You almost had me. But it undermines the basic theme of there's no mystical bullshit when a character goes on a mystic bullshit dream quest.
2: Yeah. That just, it's like, okay, well, no, Neelix's religion doesn't exist, but Chakotay's does.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's that's one thing you could maybe call that a weakness of this episode. That in a way, Chakotay isn't much of an advocate for you know mysticism or afterlife or any of that stuff. Um, he's there to help guide Neelix towards exploring that more, and he does. There is a line at the end when he's trying to walk, you know talk him off the ledge, mm-hmm. um, saying you know maybe this could reinforce your faith. I, I don't quite know how, but but so that was kind of thinking about it they didn't really go as far with him as they could have I mean, but then i do also like that they didn't because you could explain away dying and seeing nothing like mm-hmm. maybe you have to die for for 19 hours before you see the afterlife <laughs> and they didn't automatically go there and no one even posed that which i like
2: no it's mm-hmm. uh, uh, that would be fine except that like Chicote's the most spiritual guy on the ship
0: you know, like, except for those weeks when he's a scientist.
2: Except for those weeks when he's a scientist, right? <laughs> I think it was
0: like last week where they said he's a scientist, and like, Wait, what?
2: <laughs> like one of the things I was actually really excited about for this episode was like, if you're going to have Neelix and Ch- like Chakot like, if you're going to talk about spiritual stuff, Chakotay is pretty much your go to guy since it's all he can fucking t- it's all he ever fucking talks about. Yeah, and it like once again they don't really give him anything to do with you know we're gonna do the the vision quest thing but that's about it like
1: he's got the drugs but
2: yeah like I don't know that he's the choice for the end of the episode being all like well if there was nothing if you do not know if your religion's gone you know you have to find something else to live for don't know that yeah, he's but... quite the one to go for for that
0: no if anything the captain would be yeah the captain has, unfortunately, on occasions, like, given in to the spiritual bullshit, but mostly she's a full-on scientist. And she's like, well, you have to, like, she would be like, trust the evidence. Like, what evidence do you have? None. Yeah. The evidence is you were dead and nothing happened. So you're going to have to live with that. Yeah. Like, that's that's sort of the stark, sciencey way to look at it. Mm.
1: Or, or they could have had uh, the dragon girl discover him trying to kill himself, and she somehow talks him out of it. Because, you oh, know, the little goal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, if, if it's goal. if it's him finding the meaning that makes his life worth living, she's sort of tied into that in yeah. the episode. And if she she could have explained in some sort of naive childlike way that 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 clicks for him mm-hmm. uh, for how well his interactions with her, that's just as meaningful as getting to live forever in some magical forest. Yeah.
2: No, or um, I mean, we have a uh, uh, wild man hanging out in the background of uh, <laughs> ch- of Chuck talking her off the talking him off the uh, ledge, and yeah. this would have been a perfect opportunity to bring her in as a more important character, as someone who like likes Neelix enough to have made uh, to have made him her godfather, like her kid's godfather. Like, yeah, this is a perfect opportunity to uh, fill that character out a little bit more.
1: And she, uh, what's her position? She was in the blue uniform. Is she a science officer?
0: Uh yeah I, I think. think she's so. been she's been hanging out in the background a lot like she's been around and her having a kid was a minor plot point in an episode where a lot of stuff was going on mm-hmm. like she's been around yeah but yeah. I don't remember what she actually does but i mean like she's
2: it would be really easy to sort of promote her to like you know the chief o'brien like the TNG chief o'brien
0: yeah like yeah. make her a bigger yeah. part of the show um let's very briefly talk about her child suffering from alexander's disease mm mm-hmm. Because uh, I think the child was born mid last season, maybe the beginning of last season, yeah, but she was walking and talking now.
2: Yep. <laughs> walking, talking, opinions about things.
0: Yeah. And some deep philosophical opinions of things, too. Yep. Like, n- like n- complex thoughts that a tiny child would not have.
1: No. Knows about monsters. That's that's oh, like yeah. a age three thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I mean, and and you know the quick hand wavy thing as well. She's half human and half whatever that horn dragon. Is, so. it's, it's yeah, dragon.
1: dragon. We we, <laughs> okay. we
2: established as of this episode as, an, as Wildman's <laughs> husband is a dragon.
0: Okay, that's fair. Um. So yeah, then uh, then why why does she need Neelix at all then? Right, She'll just breathe fire and fly and and all that stuff. It was a pretty sweet gig.
2: <laughs> Lay down on her bed of treasure.
0: <laughs> her horde man
2: maybe that's a, maybe that's why she can't sleep there's no there's no horde on voyager
1: for her to sleep in
0: yeah being a dragon in a, in a society that doesn't believe in money he's got to be rough
1: that, that's a tough one yeah that's that's like it this touches on trying to raise children outside of their culture that they come from and the the Ooh, mother yeah. doesn't know she needs to replicate gold coins and just <laughs> spread them around the room that would solve the problem
0: just go to the uh, Scrooge McDuck money bin program on the holodeck and you're, you're all set. <laughs> oh, man. That's a nap program you for wanna, Dragon.
2: You want to talk about, uh, you talk about holo-, holo novels I would like to spend time in?
0: Just go swimming around in the money? Like, you yeah. would have to change the physics so you could actually do that.
2: Yeah, but th- that's the only, like, <laughs> with the holodeck yeah. you actually could do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Um, let's see. We all basically had the same bad thing. Matt, did you have any other, like... Any additional angles um, on that, or was it just let me just sort of have a
2: quick look here. Um, I actually go off on a different <coughs> tangent. We can get to in yeah, a sec.
0: Yeah, That's kind of why I was like, it, "It's okay, we all have the same thing." because yeah. it's all kind of a different take. On
2: I it. actually, I want to talk about you know the aftermath of Neelix being dead, um, mm-hmm. where he is dead for eighteen hours. Um, eighteen hours is a long time. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not real sure if this is just a testament to Trex. We've all beyond the need for your primitive Earth religion thing or what, but like, I don't know that two days of bed rest and no counseling is the best way to deal with someone who was dead.
1: Yeah, that's like you wake up in the morning, do a full day, stay up late. When you go to bed, mm-hmm. that's like 18 hours. It's just like yeah. no one, no
2: one on the ship seems to seems to want to treat this as what it is, which is like, and I don't use this word very often, a fucking miracle.
0: Oh no no they go they, they they spend a fair amount of time like the doctor and I think uh, Kate are just like seven you can really do this wow eighteen hours they just don't talk about how it impacts Neelix no but they do they do make a big deal out of
2: it like like they're you know but a- like afterwards they're walking around with them and just like well you should get some rest and I want to keep an eye on you and stuff but you know if you want to do stuff around the ship and like you know you know plan your party or whatever that's fine you know you can have some tasks to work on I guess like maybe pay a little more attention what if he brought something back with him i've seen pet cemetery i know how this works
0: <laughs> i mean on the one hand this is a science fiction show on the other hand it is voyager <laughs> well i think and the- i was i was waiting real quick i'll let you do, do, yeah, get yeah. to your thing i just like i was waiting for that moment where the nebula possessed him Oh, yeah. Or something like like some bullshit like that, or he turned evil, and I'm so glad that didn't happen. Yeah, no. Because it it usually does. Yeah, no. (laughs) Sorry, go ahead.
1: Are you going to touch on any of the... What the internet says was the history of this episode? Because I was reading that on Memory Alpha. No,
2: no I didn't see that. Please.
1: he. No, I, I didn't think either. The original pitch, I guess, was from someone else, too. And I think the original form was going to be that the Wildman Sr. Mm. was going to mm. be killed and brought back. Oh, I do remember this. Yeah, this is cool. And then she would have become sort of really weird and sort of possessed by death and then was going to try to kill uh, Wildman Jr., <laughs> to like give her death and all you know it's like that was more much more of like a i'm sort of possessed by the nebula or mm. possessed it by it death. wasn't a
0: possession thing like i mean it, it sounds like it like thematically but the idea was just like uh, she was more borg like i think there was some borg stuff in there too mm. ah oh you're right yes yes and because that, it's nanoprobes that bring you back so like yeah. it's more she's she's more de- devoted to the soulless Performance of tasks and less to human feeling, and and she basically wants to make her daughter like her. Was, mm. yeah, I, I do remember that,
1: right? And that, that's sort of a one hundred and eighty too, because like this, that would be sort of this horrible thing happened, and it's
0: good. I like it. Yeah. Uh, whereas
1: this was like this horrible thing happened, and it's bad, and I got to deal with it now. Uh-huh.
0: No, that would have been a really cool story, and a and a nice like because. I like the conflict of a character thinks they're doing the right thing and they're not just evil and but it's a horrible thing because she wants to kill a child. So mm-hmm. obviously it's not a good thing.
1: <laughs> and
0: obviously, that could have of been course, an interesting episode too. Yeah. You
2: know. uh, J- just in case our listeners are wondering, it is in fact wrong to kill a child.
0: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Almost most of the time. I I concur. 60% at least, so that may, that's a majority of the time.
2: Yeah. Right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> If, if you can go back and kill, you know, Toddler Hitler, like, do that. Mm-hmm. Or Toddler Neelix. Those, <laughs> those are the times when it's okay. The wee baby Hitler. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I, but I, I don't know, like, I think that would have been an interesting story, but I honestly think what we got, like, oh, yeah. Vision Quest notwithstanding, was all, like, we basically got all of our, I think, big problems out of the way, right? Like, the rest oh, yeah. of this is quite good.
2: No, it's, um, I want to talk about this too, like, um, uh, I mentioned this briefly when we were watching the episode. Um, getting rid of the whole uh spirit tr- spiritual journey thing. Like, so we de- we never see it. We just have uh.
0: That's just one act. Like, the no, other I know. five acts are good.
2: No, I don't. What I'm saying is I would have very much liked to have seen Neelix come out of that, like, we never see the actual vision quest. He comes out of it oh, and I tells see. Chakotay that it was like he went to a beautiful place and he saw his family and everything. When what really happened was everyone he's ever met in his entire life tried to kill, told him to kill himself. And that doesn't come out until the big almost suicide thing at the end of the episode. I would have really liked to have seen that. I think it would have improved the episode dramatically.
0: I see what you mean, yeah. Mm. No, we talked about this before. I thought you meant we didn't know what was going on the whole, like, for the entire episode, and that would have bugged me. But if you just mean we didn't know what happened in the vision. No,
2: no, that's what I mean. Like, he just, he lies to Chakotay in that effort to, you know, once again, make everyone think that he's fine. Yeah. And then at the end, Chakotay's like, your family was there. They said everything. He's like, no, none of that happened.
1: Yeah, that would have been a little more satisfying because he's not just lying to the crew. He's lying to us. Yeah. And then, right. But we he seems a little off still. We're not quite sure. And then he goes to try and kill himself mm-hmm. and is like, oh, that he was off. And then he tells us why. And we're
0: like, oh, shit. Yeah, you're right. Narratively, that would have played out better. But I think, I think the whole Vision Quest thing happened. Like, I don't know this, but it feels like the impulse is always to make something visually more interesting. If you have two characters talking, make it something bigger and, and more yeah. flashy because people yeah. don't want to watch characters talking. And the thing is, if it's compelling drama, yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. I don't mind two characters talking in a room. Some of my favorite episodes, like uh, Chain of Command, where it's Picard being tortured and it's two guys talking in a room. That's yep. it. Like, Great episode. Like Yeah. Picard's naked and there's some torture happening. But for the most part, visually, there's not much there.
1: Yeah. Just take that episode, put Neelix in. Maybe not so much the nakedness. No. And it's yeah. good times.
2: less nakedness more torture i think we could have a grand old time
0: (laughs) right you know two two powerful solid actors that have really good chemistry and really good presence like that's all you need really yeah and speaking of acting i i never thought i'd hear myself say this but uh ethan phillips actually good in this episode
2: oh man i love there's a bunch of scenes just where you the the focus isn't on him and he's just in the background Mm -hmm. looking just ruined and then, you know, suddenly everyone will just be like, and what do you think, Neelix? And you'll see him struggle to sort of find his Neelix character, you know? It's just, I did, yeah, wacky, fun-loving hijinks. That's me.
0: Yeah, and the thing is, the the nutty character gets annoying to us. But when the nutty character is a a, a mask that he puts on because he feels awful, like mm-hmm. suddenly it becomes more interesting. Yeah. And he plays it really well.
2: Oh yeah, no. I like for all the shit I give, you know, like I really want to be very clear, like how good this episode was,
0: but not I, just in the writing. Like the performer who we haven't really liked either really yeah. brought it. I think
2: no, that's what I'm saying. I also goddamn the last couple of minutes when he's getting ready to go kill himself. Like that whole thing is mm-hmm. just wow, it was so well done. Yeah, like he he, he he cleans up like he cleans up the mess hall so it's all in. He writes all of his goodbye letters and. Yeah, I mean it's a fairly
0: standard thing, but it's done well. Just like putting his affairs in order, kind yeah. of thing. But uh, yeah, no, I I quite enjoyed that. Mm. And uh, yeah, there's a bunch of times where he's like, like you say, he's kind of in the background, and you see him struggling to put on a smile because that's what people expect from yep. him. But he's just ruined inside, and that's that's good.
1: No, Tears I'm, of a hedgehog.
2: Yeah. <laughs> No, again, when he's like, he's, he's got this whole scene with Kate where he's just like, uh, you know, we're going to do this and this and this. And she's like, I'm glad you're back. And he looks like, so am I. And then he walks into his into his quarters and he's just there in the dark for a second and just like.
0: <sighs> yep. No, I think, uh, Matt, I think you were the one that made the, the reference to uh, Buffy.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Which the, um, it did remind me a bit of that, too.
2: Yeah, ah, if you haven't oh. seen it in season six, uh, Buffy dies at the end of season five of Buffy and then comes back in season 6 and for the whole like a good chunk of the season
0: like probably half yeah,
2: yeah we don't find like we don't find out that she was quite happy that like, she did not want to come <laughs> back to life
0: no she died heroically saving the world so she went to heaven yeah. which in that world in the, in in that show's universe of there being like supernatural stuff totally makes sense yeah. the hero is rewarded when she dies, mm-hmm. but uh, everyone thought she was in hell for some reason, and she's like, what? No. I mean,
2: I can, can kind of understand that when we're talking about the universe of Buffy, which has eight million hell realms and one heaven realm.
0: Yeah, but you, I, I mean, you'd hope that a hero would be rewarded for, you know, sacrificing herself to save the world.
2: I'm willing to, believe, after five years of that show, I'm willing to believe those characters are pretty... <laughs>
0: I, that, that's fair. That's it's fair.
2: A, yeah, <laughs> but, but things but don't a, I, 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 look around. This is Buffy. Things don't get better for
0: us. I guess that's true. But there was definitely a bit of that here. You're right. Like definitely a bit of Neelix. Like uh, oh god, I'm back. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this is uh, I, I'm back. Hmm.
1: Well, it, yeah. It's funny because like. In the case of Buffy, she went to heaven. Mm. And in the right. case of Neelix, he went to oblivion, yeah. to nothingness. Yeah. And it's almost the same kind of thing. And they both sort of wanted to get back to it. For Neelix, it was just that he, he felt like he had no reason to be there yeah. anymore if there wasn't heaven. Right. But Buffy, I think, you
0: know, it was more like, no, oh, no it was it's good. <laughs> <setup>. yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, no, it's interesting comparison, though. I like it.
0: Yeah, um, Ben, your your good thing was basically what we've already been talking about, though, right? Just,
1: um, I think I was trying to be snarky with my good thing because because <laughs> some people said you know that he dies is the good thing, and I said it's good that he dies, but also that he suffered. <laughs> <laughs> but that seems cruel because we're talking yeah, about important. But yeah, that's okay. Yeah, no, but it's good. You know, you don't just want a character to die; you want him to suffer. Yeah. So. Yeah.
0: Right, well, him. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, my good thing is a bit snarky as well. We get a throwaway line that made me laugh Mm. um uh, they mentioned the kazon and uh seven says oh right them yeah we uh we didn't assimilate them because they suck yeah
1: (laughs) that's 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 what we said thanks seven she agrees with us that's like you're like the borg you guys what have you become (laughs) i'm comfortable with that
0: in the sense of sort of coldly detached trying to uh, like um sum up what the Delta Quadrant's all about, we have that in common. Yeah. Like, hmm, this is good, <laughs> this is bad, I don't want this.
2: I just, I want to see the board like, taking, like, an analytical, like, just really examining the case, I was like,
0: what yeah, can pros these, and it's
1: like, what can these guys
2: provide for us?
1: Nothing. Feather, all right, feather hair? On. You don't want feathers in your Feathered hair? Feathered <laughs> hair. That's not part of perfection? Feathered they hair. Have like and, a, uh,
0: they, they have like a whiteboard out in the middle of the of the, uh, of the the cube, like uh, pros and cons, and yeah. the pro column is just empty. I don't
2: really know that the Borg ho- homeworld specifically needs burnt out cars sitting in the driveway. We probably are fine <laughs> without them.
0: That was Matt's entire take on the Kazon was that they were like the white trash. Like,
2: <laughs> yeah, the white trash in the Delta Quadrant. Yeah,
0: yeah. I could see that.
2: I'm fucking trying to jump their spaceships over a, over a river.
0: All their all their spaceships are on blocks. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And built out of like old washing machines. And
2: <laughs> like eighty percent rust. Yep.
0: <laughs> that actually fits pretty well. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Oh, I got to give them a tiny bit of credit. Somebody somewhere remembered that Neelix only had one long. Yep. Mm-hmm. like in the in the bit where they're trying to bring him back, and she's like, uh he's getting air into his lung or so it was just a throwaway line, yeah. but it was still just like a, oh wow they like they hadn't mentioned that once <laughs> this this horrible like life changing procedure he had four years ago, they finally remembered that that existed, so mm-hmm. I guess that's good
1: uh, one one part I really liked um I'm a sucker for these scenes when seven of nine is at the party and is trying oh, okay. to interact and do chit chat and yep. stuff like that, and just that is it, actually my quote oh okay awesome Uh, we'll we'll play that here having fun
2: no
0: but yeah it was
1: yeah but i love like one of my favorite tng episodes is the one where data is having to somehow moderate like the the pre-marital fight between uh o'brien and uh and and keiko yeah and it's just like it's completely rational and logical the stuff he's saying Mm -hmm. but for reasons he doesn't understand it goes all wrong and it's sort of a very small moment of that for Seven of Nine, where she's just like, "Well, people should be interested in this, or this is something I can add," and they're like, Ugh. hey
0: I like that is very easy comedy, but yeah, when Star Trek does it like well, it is funny. Like they, that goes back to Spock, even yeah. sometimes. Oh yeah. Well, Seven, where he's like,
2: "The Seven is uh, just perfect for like that." Like, how how do I party? <laughs>
0: yeah well and there's some good like stuff with her and Tuvok like, yeah I'm glad we didn't lose their friendship after year of hell because mm-hmm. there's some good stuff there and this is the one thing they have in common is like oh so this is what fun is huh all right <laughs> also the Neelix I, it's Neelix is like I don't know it's whatever his culture's day of whatever like I, I don't know what it is but some some kind of celebration from the Talaxians sure. and I think they're all wearing Talaxian outfits because they're all just hideous like Neelix outfits yep. and Tuvox especially Oh yeah Is just amazing And that's more of that same basic comedy Of like a, a straight laced guy doing Like having to do something wacky and You all <laughs>
2: have to wear clown suits It's tradition <laughs> uh, well, well
0: since you just died And we're supposed to feel bad about that Alright fine
2: but, And your fucking clown culture Shut up, Neelix <laughs> I mean I'm glad you're not dead I mean, shut we up. We got Elix. a decent Neelix episode. Let's, we did. Uh, let's focus on that. No, let's, I'm let's shocked. Look, to... I'm as shocked as anyone, but uh, it was really good. Yeah. I don't really have, a... A, like, I don't really have, like, a good thing here other than the fact that he died, but, I mean, like, this is an excellent fucking episode.
0: No, it is. it is. It's quite, like, anytime you get a character to examine their lives and learn something like that's basic drama but yeah. it's something that this show doesn't do very often no it's, it's not especially, oh yeah this is how you tell stories of es- course especially with this character
2: like I would, if, yeah. if you were to tell me oh you are gonna do an episode where the, the comic relief dies discovers there's no afterlife and has to live the rest of his life nearly kills with a gnawing emptiness in him like <laughs> what? yeah and are I, you and sure I like, this isn't Deep Space Nine?
1: I like that it doesn't even just sort of toss all the the beliefs or the stories in the garbage mm-hmm. too because it it ends with her whether she believes it's true or not she's using this you know the imagination of this forest to get to sleep mm-hmm. um so it's like these still have uses these stories and these feelings are still useful they don't have to be true yeah. to be uh meaningful mm-hmm. i guess too so i thought that was good and it was very they didn't pin down any particular conclusion either which i like when a, a show can do that because um, I you don't want to
0: actually offend religious people, like, and just say Do you, your beliefs are stupid <laughs> and believing in nothing is better. Like, no, there's there's still a value for you know oh, believing sure. in stuff, and like, and it's good that they touched on that too. I think. Yeah. It's it's hard because I know like I've talked to you enough, Ben. I know that you are (laughs) like us. You don't believe in anything. So like it's one of us. It's hard for (laughs) it's it's hard for us to not just like piss off all the religious listeners we have because like I know we have them. They've written in. Yeah, but uh, like
2: (laughs) you're listening to you're listening to the Star Trek nihilist podcast.
0: (laughs) Um, but overall, yeah, you're right. Like the idea that. Having this kid believe in something, even if it's not necessarily literally true, is yeah, even good if, for her. Yeah. Yeah. Even if she's just pretending
1: just to calm herself down. Yeah, yeah, because people do that all the time. Oh yeah, it's
0: like go to your happy place. Exactly, that's all it is. <laughs> Although there, there was a there was an, a, a a moment near the end where he's like trying to beam himself into the nebula to kill himself, and he overrides the security stuff. How how <clears> can <throat> Neelix override anything? Yeah, no, ever. Like I just I'm always baffled when he can outsmart. Vox security force <laughs> when he has any kind of authority or any kind of like like access codes like yeah oh. he
1: should not have any of those codes yeah no, yeah okay. I, yeah I think we talked about how like him being trying to use the transporter mm. was sort of dramatic and definitely him like literally like on a ledge sort of above Chakotay like definitely for yeah. dramatic purposes but I would have liked to see you know he's the chef he's the cook he could have tried to kill himself in sort of a cook way you know yeah, stick his knife. head in the oven or something no. or oh yeah. <laughs> replicate his head off of his body or Com- something computer poison
0: <laughs> jump into a jump into a big boiling cauldron of something <laughs> yes yeah that's what he used that's how he cooks right he has a giant cauldron well that
1: yeah that exactly. he stirs yeah he, he,
2: uh-huh. he's a rodent what i'd really like to see is for him to to create a giant fake mouse trap in the in the holiday
0: <laughs> <laughs> or a version of the board game mousetrap. <laughs> where he ends up under a giant like net or whatever,
1: it would take it would take hours too because they have to roll exactly the right move mm. in order to yeah, yeah, to yeah. set off the trap and he's uh, got to be in the right place. Even so. when
2: it works, like the the diving man fucking misses <laughs> the the little
1: bucket anyway, so it doesn't matter.
0: All right, well, since we're on like old uh, novelty board games, maybe trap him inside an airless popomatic bubble. Huh? That would be fine. <laughs> These are all good ideas. Crushed by yeah. dice. Look, we could do an entire hour on ways we would like to see Neelix die.
2: But. We haven't even gotten into operation
0: yet. Like <laughs> for the well, for the autopsy, they already took out his lung. So, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> all right. Anything else? Uh, I think that's everything, Ben.
1: No. Um, if uh, for summing up, I think there was one thing I forgot to mention about the last episode, which I mm-hmm. find amusing. I-, I wonder if this happens all the time. I never noticed it. Whenever characters use illogical" in a sentence, it seems like they're never actually saying illogical. they're just sort of referencing the fact that Spock always called stuff illogical oh, yeah always- they always they always pause. It's like you know saying it that way would mm-hmm. be quite pause
0: illogical. Yeah. No. It's almost wink, like we can hear them drawing the air quotes around it. Yeah. yeah. I, oh, and Spock, I, Spock
1: No, no, go ahead, i sorry. Yeah, Spock, Spock would always just say, that is quite illogical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he would never mm-hmm. like, sort of, or pause for emphasis.
2: Yeah. No, I always get the same vibe whenever anyone other than Bones would make a, I'm a doctor not a blank thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, it always just feels Basically like... Basically, turn to the camera, yeah, pause. Yeah, exactly.
2: Get it? Do you get it? Star Trek. That's
0: from... <laughs> Although that said, and this goes back to the other episode, they did make a mention of Kirk having met Leonardo da Vinci because mm. the dude, uh, what's his, I don't oh, remember the character's I name. I know Flint, exactly, I know the, ep- yeah, it
2: was Flint, thank you.
0: Re- Requiem for Methuselah was mm. the episode, and yeah. it was where they met this immortal guy who ended up being like five different geniuses through Earth yeah. history. And then like two more alien ones you haven't heard of. But, yeah. You know, like, yeah. one of them was da Vinci, so I, I, that was a nice little nod, mm. I thought. All right, so that's all for this time. Ben, why don't you promote your fine comic?
1: Yes, uh, if any of you have jobs and work in an office, and maybe sometimes you don't like it so much, sometimes it's, sometimes you do, I don't know. But if you like poop humor, too, I do a comic called Poop Office, and it's about an office staffed by poop. So they, they write reports, TP reports, on their computers and print it out on the photocrappier a lot of number two pencils, that kind of stuff. Very highbrow comedy. Uh, <laughs> but it's about working in an office. Um so if that sounds fun, you can check it out. My website is uh it's naked or you can Google poop office, you'll probably find it there.
0: Excellent. Yeah. I, I think of of people like of every and I include us in this, anybody's like projects, yours is the easiest to explain. Like the title pretty much tells you what you need to know. Poop yep. office.
1: Yeah, That. It's, it's
0: poop office. <laughs> That's the That's the
1: experience when we go to conventions,
0: because people the Mm -hmm.
1: the common thing, you go to like an indie comics table and you say, What's it about? And they'll say, Poop office, what's that about? And we basically just say, It's an office, staffed by poop. And they're like, All right. What do you think it's about? You have have your pitch down to two words. That's (laughs) (laughs) it's the
0: title. Yeah. You're either into it or you're not. (laughs) I can't really do much to help you. I'm not gonna talk you into that. (laughs) (laughs) Such a good salesman. That's exactly how we are at cons (laughs) too. Yep. Um. so next week two more in, uh, including I'm pretty sure uh, appearances by some next gen characters so whether Ooh. that is good or not remains to be seen but like, we'll find <laughs> out mm-hmm. until then see ya folks the post atomic horror podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham copyright 2016 please don't sue us we're just doing this.